The Red Agenda is sponsored by Bet365 and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The new season's already underway and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more and create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature. You can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365, it's the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Cheers. This is the Red Agenda, and the Premier League season is here. Can Liverpool make it back to back? titles. Well, to talk us through this one over the course of the podcast, as always, we have our top writer, James Pierce. Welcome, James. Morning, Steve. And a special guest today making his Red Agenda uh, debut, former Red striker, Neil Mellor. Welcome along, Neil. Cheers, Steve. Right, it's no longer about ending a a 30-year wait. The narrative around Liverpool now changes significantly, doesn't it, James? Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, I think um, it makes a pleasant change, doesn't it, to go into a new season without the perennial question of is this finally going to be the year that Liverpool take that next step and 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 you know make that leap from from nearly men to to champions. You know, they, we saw that in all its all its glory a couple of months back, and and now they're the ones with the the, the target on their backs going into the the new season. So um, you know, it's it, everyone else has been having to play catch up. You know, it was a uh, just such an emphatic triumph last season for Liverpool. You know, the only thing that really threw a spanner in the works for them was the the pandemic, which obviously held up the celebrations. But um, you know, to amass 99 points and and win it by that 18 point margin um, was was just a, an absolutely remarkable achievement. And um, you know, Klopp has been pretty bullish that he he believes this squad have have got the ability to to step up another gear. And it is, yeah, it's going to be going to be fascinating to see whether whether he is able to get even more out of this group. Mel's obviously you, you were never lucky enough as a player to get there to to win the league, but just describe the pressure and expectation that you were under as a Liverpool player to achieve the title, be part of a squad that could try and achieve a title. Yeah, obviously I'm proud to have represented Liverpool and the big thing, certainly coming through the youth system at Liverpool, is is the proud history that Liverpool have with with wanting to, to win trophies, to achieve winning the biggest trophies in the game, whether it be in Europe or domestically in the league and as James mentioned there, it's been a long wait for Liverpool to achieve that, uh, but finally got there um, last season to, to win the league, but for me as a player it was when you represent Liverpool, you you have to win, and um, and that will be ingrained in this group of players. Mm. I think 
having seen them win the Champions League a couple of seasons ago, I felt as though that was a huge moment, a significant moment for this group of players because it gave them the confidence, the belief that they can achieve a major trophy. And I think they displayed that with the performances last season to to win the Premier League title. And, and I expect the same again, certainly to be challenging for the title and again in Europe. So that confidence is absolutely huge. Um, but they know representing Liverpool, it is about challenging for trophies. And it's great to see now that we do have a team that is brilliant to watch, but also fantastic because we know they're going to challenge. I wonder how you refocus as a player indeed. Do, do you actually need to, James? I mean, obviously the league season executed in devastating fashion. Records were tumbling, finished the job in, in record time. Is, is there a short period and then they refocus or do you think straight away it's a case of, you know, you, they've got that desire to just do it again? Yeah, I, I think as Neil said, he, winning the Champions League gave them that that taste of it, I think, and and, and proved to be a, a real launch pad for what they achieved last season. And, and I think you know, there's no reason why winning the Premier League shouldn't act in it exactly the, the same manner. I think... Um, you know, it's it's a it's a huge ask to defend the Premier League title. I think you know only only City have done it since they probably Man United in like the early early two thousands. But um, you look at the the characters and the personalities in this squad, and you certainly don't look at it and think, you know, they, they, these these guys are going to ease off or or won't be as hungry or won't be as motivated. Um, you know, I know one of Klopp's standout quotes a few weeks back was, you know, we're, we're not going to try and defend this title. We're going to go and attack it and um, you know, he, he said, I know people will say, you know, now you've won it once. Will 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 they take their foot off the gas? He said, but it's he said it's just not in the nature of this group of players for them to to get lazy. Um, so, no, I don't have any concerns on 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 that score. Um, and, I, and I also think you look at this Liverpool team and, you know, it's there, there aren't many that in you know, the key personnel that you would say have, have kind of reached their peak or have almost gone over the other side of the hill. You know, I think. The, the best days are still ahead of the, the vast majority of the of the key men and also you know with, with the exciting youngsters coming through and some of the fringe players who maybe didn't play quite so much last season but have looked really impressive in pre-season you know I, I think all of that bodes well for the challenges to come but Mel's can you sometimes in a dressing room just just sense the desire you know the the attitude the commitment as a, as a player is it is it obvious sometimes and is that what you're expecting in that Liverpool tight-knit group? I think what we're seeing at Liverpool at the moment is quite unique. It feels really settled. You know, there's not many football clubs up and down the country, perhaps in Europe, where it feels settled, where you're looking at the players in the dressing room, key players, you know, you look at the world-class players that Liverpool have, and everyone seems happy. Everyone seems to want to play for Liverpool. There's no talk of perhaps players leaving, like we've seen in the past with Suarez, like we've seen with Coutinho. Mm. It seems like this group of players are enjoying being there because they're at one of the biggest clubs in the world, but also playing for a manager who is getting the most out of them. And I really do believe that the mentality within the group has been one of the biggest strengths that Jürgen has brought to this uh, to the football club. Um, and all the players are, are really loving it. Now, as a player, you want to have that settled environment. If it's unsettled, if there's any kind of uncertainty, that's when the problems start to arise. And, and thankfully, um, Liverpool are very much in a positive place. What I would say as well, Hodders, is... Pre-season, whilst it's been very different this year with COVID, 
I feel as though we've benefited a little bit more because the players have been around the group longer rather than being in different parts of the world like it was 12 months earlier mm-hmm. with players in, in various international tournaments. The Nations League was going on, wasn't it, with the Dutch boys, the English boys, uh, the Copper America, the Brazilian boys won it. They were away for long periods of pre-season, as was the uh, African Cup of Nations. Whereas this year, it feels like the group have really had time to to bond again and refocus for going for this title, which for me has to be a positive. You're so spot on about this idea of, you know, there's nothing unsettling within the camp. You don't hear about any negativity, James, do you? A lot of other football club stories come out of players, you know, maybe wanting away or, I don't know, fallouts or things like that. It seems like a very happy ship. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably one of the, probably the biggest achievements from Jurgen Klopp's reign that goes under the radar a little bit is he, he has made Liverpool a, a final destination for elite players, whether, you know, we were so used to, you know, the, the almost like an annual thing where it was like, you know, the, the worry of can, can we keep hold of key personnel? And, you know, of course we'd been used to, you know, the, the likes of Alonso and Mascherano and, and Suarez and, and then obviously Coutinho being the most recent one, but, you know, they're having their heads turned by, you know, big clubs abroad, particularly the, the the Spanish giants, and and I, I just don't think that is the case anymore because you know because of where Klopp has put Liverpool, it's you know pretty much anywhere else in world football is a is a step down if you're gonna if you're gonna be leaving Liverpool, and I think that is one of the you know again because there's been you know, such a clamour for for new signings and all the rest of it is it's it's easy to overlook the fact that you know, it has been a very settled summer in terms of you know no the you know the only the only player that's been you know repeatedly linked with a a move away would be Genie Wijnaldum and even that's a you know pretty unique set of circumstances because his his contract is running down you know it's you know for people like Salah Mane Firmino Van Dijk Allison you know we're talking about half a dozen players there who you know are pretty much without peers in world football um, are incredibly content and 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 happy and. And, and I think also it says a lot about Klopp's man management style, the way that even even players on the fringes of the squad, players who who maybe you know in other circumstances would feel like they had reason to moan and because they weren't getting the opportunities that they wanted. You, you don't really ever hear any dissenting voices because Klopp has this special way of just making everyone feel part of of what he's created at Liverpool, whether you're playing every week or only getting a game in the in the domestic cup. So um, yeah, that. You know, I don't think you can really put a price on that. That that just the whole atmosphere around the place, and um, you know, certainly that's not going to be any different this time around. How tough is that, Neil, to keep everyone happy in a squad, a big squad at a club like <laughs> Liverpool? And you, you know, you've been there, you've seen it. You know, James just said that it's gone under the radar there, but it, but it is so hard to to achieve that because as a player, you, you want to be playing. You're not happy if you're on the bench. Um, but I, I think where it's unique is the fact that Jurgen makes everybody within the squad feel part of it. Um, it, it certainly, they will get that opportunity. Uh, and for me, that was something that I felt under Rafa when I was there for a short time. He, he, he said. Everyone in this room, when we had the meeting at the start, said, you are part of it in some point. You have your your part to play. And whether it's players, whether it's in the, tra- the training, you know, you look at some experienced players, maybe like a James Milner, who maybe didn't play as many times as he wanted to, but can still have a huge influence on other players around them, like the younger players. Certainly Trent springs to mind very quickly there. 
the, the help, the benefit that the experienced players can have, even though they haven't been playing. So I think that's a real art for a manager to, to create an environment where even players aren't playing, are still happy to be involved. But what I would say is when you're winning the way Liverpool are, it, it creates a real confidence within the football club and everyone wants to be part of a winning team. This is the uh, the Red Agenda. Right now, we're offering listeners the opportunity to try out The Athletic for free. You can enjoy all of the great writing on Liverpool, including uh, the Premier League 60 series, which is absolutely fantastic. That's already included a number of uh, current and ex-Liverpool stars like Luis Suarez, Robbie Fowler, Mo Salah. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Sign up for a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool it's the Red Agenda with myself, Steve Hothersall, James Pearce and Neil Mellor uh, today. Now, interestingly, on The Athletic at the moment, all the staff have got together to predict how they think the Premier League table will finish this time around. And Manchester City appear to be the favourites to win the title. Um, explain. Is it the, the gap going to be much closer, James? Yeah, I, I don't think it's realistic to think that Liverpool are going to run away with it in the manner in which they did they did last season. I think, um, you know, I think common sense dictates that City won't won't be, you know, there the, the won't be the drop in the the standards there that we saw last season. Um, you know, I think Chelsea from the business they've done are going to be closer as well. P- probably the same with you know Manchester United when you look at the way in which they finished last season. Um, so yeah, I think I think it will be a title race this time around. I think I don't think it will be the the kind of procession that we were treated to in. 2019-20 but um yeah I'm still I'm still amazed that the bookies have got City as favorites because to me Liverpool are still by far and away the the team to beat because you know as we said before it's yes they might not have made any booming statements of intent in the transfer market this summer but it's still you know the the team is there intact that um that that won the title as we as we speak and and, and you know and I, and I look at the the, the the talent of the young players coming through and you look at people like Nabi Keita and Takumi Minamino who didn't really feature much and how bright they've looked in pre-season. Um, for me, you know, who, you know, someone is going to have to produce some pretty incredible form to, to knock Liverpool off the, off the summit again. Yes, you win the title by 18 points <laughs> and yet you're not the favourites. Uh, for the resumption of it, it, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense, Mels. No, no. I agree with James. I think it'll be a battle this year for the title, uh, a lot closer than the 18 points it was last year. Looking at Man City, how they've strengthened, well, defensively they needed to, because Fernandinho for large spells of the season was playing centre-half, and I think his best position is defensive midfield. They brought in Nathan Ake from Bournemouth for a reasonable price. I think with Man City, we're still here and they're in the market to try and strengthen in that area. To cut that gap for the vulnerability they have, because we know that going forward they'll score goals. What did they get? Over 100 goals last season. So I don't think that's in any doubt. City will have that threat going forward. I just think defensively they will um, they will look to strengthen again. But I do think Ake was a good signing. I think one advantage Man City do have is with the fixtures. I think game eight for us is away at Man City. I felt as though having Man City at home for us last season in that battle between us was a significant moment in the season. We went nine points clear as opposed to it being three points clear. So I felt as though that favours City. I think our fixtures to start the season are extremely tough. The last two seasons we've had, what if we got 97, 99 points? I think our start has been a huge reason why we've gained that momentum. 
looking at the first five games this season, they're really tough. Chelsea away, first game with the, the additions they've had. Arsenal with the improvement they've had. And with the fans due to come back, possibly after that international breakaway at Everton, that all of a sudden becomes a lot tougher game as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but I do expect about... I, I agree, though. I think we should be favourites because we've still got all our key players fit and available, bar the captain, Jordan Henderson. Is there a renewed focus on the Premier League campaign for Pep Guardiola. We, we know the Champions League is obviously the holy grail for Manchester City, but the manner in which City lost out last season, does that turn it into something different for Pep this time round, James? Yeah, I think so, because it was a, you know, it was an embarrassment, wasn't it, for for City to 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 you know, not only, you know, be beaten to the title, but to, to not even put up a fight. I think that was the that was the thing, you know, let's not forget that probably 2 years ago Everyone was talking about how you know this was going to be an era of you know of unprecedented you know dominance from from Manchester City with with what Guardiola had, had built there and then you know of course you had the season when Liverpool went so agonisingly close and they you know, despite only losing once all season they were still pipped to the post and then um, you know, City went backwards you know pretty dramatically last season you know the, you, you look at the number of defeats they suffered and um, and, and and as as Neil said then you know, they they still haven't. I don't think fully addressed their their weaknesses. You know, I think you know Nathan Ake is a a decent, talented young defender, but he's not a, he's not a transformative signing in the in the ilk of someone like Virgil Van Dijk. He, you know, I don't think you stick Nathan Ake in that that back line and and suddenly it becomes you know uh, difficult to to penetrate. You know, I know they've been heavily linked with Koulibaly, and you know th- I think that would be that would be a big bold statement if they were able to to go and get him but um yeah i mean of, of course it seems like in recent weeks city have been devoting a huge amount of their you know time and attention to trying to to trying to get Lionel Messi away from Barcelona and now you know those hopes have been completely dashed so um yeah i think uh, i know although Jurgen Klopp was saying that he'd uh, he'd like to like to have seen Lionel Messi in the premier league i think um I think privately he'll be quite delighted that he won't have to contend with him. <laughs> Do you agree with that, Miles? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was never going to happen, was it? I mean, Messi to leave Barcelona, although one club you thought could possibly make it happen was Man City. I felt as though for them, commercially, it would have been a really good buy to try and um, reduce the gap so big, isn't it, to, to ourselves? And to, I think he would have certainly brought a lot more attention to them, a lot more fans. I don't think we'd have seen any empty seats had Messi arrived at City. But thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. But but I look at leaders in that City dressing room. And when Vincent Kompany left, they haven't really filled that gap either. David Silva's left in the summer as well. Now, he was an experienced player within that dressing room as well. Whereas then you start looking around the Liverpool dressing room and there's a lot of big leaders in there. And, uh, and you know, you mustn't um, underestimate the, the impact that can certainly have within a dressing room. That togetherness, that team bonding, which is, can, can get the, the team over the line. We saw it many times last season, games where Liverpool perhaps weren't at the best, but kept going, kept going, found a way, ended up winning the game. Seems like City were, were more than prepared to spend a lot of money on Messi. Uh, other clubs have spent big. You've got United with Donny van der Beek. Uh, Chelsea bought big. Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, uh, Thiago's wages. Why is the situation so different for Liverpool? There's a lot of fans scratching their heads at the, the club's transfer policy, James. Yeah, and you know, I, I think people don't like to hear it, do they? But it's you know, Liverpool have been 
massively affected by COVID-19. And I know that the inevitable follow-up to that question is, well, why why only Liverpool? Why not these other big clubs? Well, you know, it's it's a different kind of business model. You know, from the from when FSG bought Liverpool, they were very clear that the the club had to be self-sustaining and they had to live had to live within its its means. And for a, you know, for a huge amount of that time of you know what's coming up to ten years as owners of Liverpool, then they've those revenues have grown and grown, and that has enabled the you know the the, the spending, in particular the wage bill. I think the way the size of Liverpool's wage bill sometimes gets kind of overlooked in you know because people just look at how much is spent on actual transfer fees and you know Liverpool's annual wage bill you know in excess of 320 million pounds and you know that hasn't dr- dropped at all in what six getting on for seven months of of no revenue in terms of of match day income and every every game behind closed doors costs Liverpool in excess of of 3 million pounds so um oh. yeah I, I just i just think what we've seen from other clubs is you know Abramovich clearly has has decided that he's prepared to to have a real go again and um you know and, and invest some of his his own money you know you've got, you've had clubs take out loans to be able to to really gamble and and go for it um well Liverpool I think in their position of haven't they've decided not to take those risks um you know and people will argue you know the the case for and against um you know, I, I still think this Liverpool squad are, uh, you know, a few new faces short of what what they truly need. I think just, you know, the only thing that concerns me is this season is going to be more intense and more grueling than any any other we've ever witnessed. You know, essentially the same number of games, same number of competitions, crammed into you know a month a month shorter than than usual. So, um, you know, they I think they've addressed one key issue with with Simicus coming in as to finally give them some, you know, real decent cover for Andy Robertson at left back. But, you know, they haven't replaced Dayan Lovren. And that worries me a little bit at the moment, you know, not having a fourth senior specialist centre-half. And I also think, you know, they they do really need another elite option in that front line, especially, ideally, a left-sided player who could ease the burden on, on Sadio Mane a bit. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the ongoing saga in midfield where... You know, we're we're still waiting for all the for all the talk all summer about Thiago. You know, the my my information is that you know that is still massively reliant on what happens with Wijnaldum's future. Um, and if you know if if Wijnaldum was to push for a move, and if Barcelona were to table as an acceptable offer, then you know of course then Thiago becomes I think a, a perfect ready-made replacement to to go and get because Liverpool know he is available and and keen to make that move. But um, yeah, it's just been a very different summer to usual because you know when you look at Klopp's reign, traditionally he has got his business done early, um, but that just hasn't been possible this time around because. Um, because of the financial situation of the club. Um, and I also think Liverpool would definitely have expected to have generated a lot more from sales than they have done up to this point. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think of players like Wilson, Gruwich, Shakiri, you know, I think, you know, they probably would have been thinking 20 million for each of those. And suddenly if you had 60 million to play with, I think um, we would have seen Liverpool more active. So um, as and when those bids are forthcoming. I think you know that will certainly free up funds to be to be reinvested. But it may well be you know a, a few weeks after the season has already already started. Yeah, definitely a couple of um, places need addressing, as, as you've mentioned there. Um, the, the team pretty much picks itself. Well, it did do for the majority of last season. Liverpool fans could reel it off in the in their sleep. They, w- would you go with the, that idea, Mel's that 
maybe just a couple of additions might strengthen the whole picture. Yeah, and for the reason that James mentioned, that it's going to be a real intense season. I felt as though we were, you could maybe say, a bit fortunate last year because our key players all remained fit throughout the season, which I think you need to to achieve anything. And we certainly benefited from that. You know, you, you lose Van Dijk or two of the front three and, and all of a sudden um, it becomes a completely different um, side for Liverpool. I, I feel as though the additions, I agree, fourth choice centre-half because Lovren was that and he ended up playing 10 games last year one of them being a huge game against Man City now uh, looking at the four choice options at the moment pr- pretty much the young players aren't they that Phillips Billy Kay um, those sort of options to, to perhaps fill in which don't have that same experience if called upon um, but, but I look in the in the attacking areas and and would like to see maybe a bit more pace brought in, whether it was, you know, I know Sars being mentioned at Watford. I think he's got a big future around the right football club, the right manager, and Jurgen is that, and Liverpool, or, or even a bit more value in the market, somebody else, like, a, I don't know, like a Josh King or somebody like that at Bournemouth who maybe wants a new challenge and isn't going to play 30 games for you, but 10 games, you're going to get something out of him. He's, he's an experienced international. What is he? Nearly 50 caps for Norway. And, and he gives that bit of pace and bit of freshness in the final third. And if you're looking for value, there could be something like that perhaps um, worth pursuing just to be an option off the bench. Right, Harry's uh, sponsors the Red Agenda and, uh, of course, we bring it to you on The Athletic every week. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors, so they've released their sharpest ever blades and added a new strip for an even closer, more comfortable shave. And the best part, they haven't raised prices, so the uh, replacement blades are still as little as £1.75 each. Amazing quality blades, now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. And as a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today. Claim your trial set for £3.95, support the podcast, and get your set delivered. Includes a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover. Head to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. Right now, that's harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. Um, right, let's have a look at perhaps players who might make a surprise impact on the side um, the season. It's, it's easy to identify your Salas and your, your Trents, but Jürgen's got players who haven't been playing week in, week out, who are going to be determined uh, to make their marks. So your Takumi Minaminos, your, your Nabi Caters. If you had to pick one out, James, who's it going to be this campaign? I think it would have to be Nabi Keita for me. I think um, it, it's been such a, a frustrating first two years for him at the club. I think um, you know so much hype and expectation uh, on his on his shoulders. I think you know especially the fact that Liverpool had to wait a, a year for him after after striking that deal with with Leipzig. Um, you know, big money. What was it? Fifty two point seven five million pounds. And and we've only really seen flashes of it so far. I think um, you know it's he's had he's had a lot of injury issues. I think you know he struggled with with confidence at times. I think um, he struggled with the language initially. I think that's that's no longer a problem. He's much more settled and and happy on Merseyside. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing him this season. I think from having watched the 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 kind of four preseason games he's been the the major positive for me i think um you know he's he, he i think he just gives the midfield something different you know you i think probably the community shield was the perfect example of that when mm. you know it, it was all pretty stale and and samey and workmanlike and then 
suddenly, you know, you had this this player who could drift past a man and, and, and pick a pass and break lines and, and, and produce something out of nothing. And he, he was outstanding again against Blackpool at Anfield in the final warm-up game on on, on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I just, I just really, really hope he can stay fit because um, if he can't, then, you know, not only would he be massive for Liverpool this season, but I think, you know, he could, he could be one of the, the stars of the Premier League full stop because, um, he's, you know, he's, he's got so much potential, but, you know, it's, this is his third year at Liverpool yeah. and, and we need, we need to start seeing it on a regular basis. It's taken mm. time, hasn't it? About time, mm. I suppose. How much can you read into that, those pre-season performances, Mel's? Well, well, I, I think for somebody like Cater, I think fitness is is key. Um, I, I think in terms of um, as a player, you you want to impress the manager. You're fighting for that first shirt on day one of the of the season. Um, but for Cater, it's about getting minutes in the tank and being available for selection. Now, Cater's first Premier League start last year was in December. Um, and that's a frustration. He only had one before Christmas, one Premier League start. There's such a good player there, and that's why it's frustrating because he's just not being able to get his body there. I agree. If he stays fit, I think he'll have a, a very influential season for for Liverpool. Um, but it's about fitness for him. Whereas the player who's really caught my eye pre-season, and I think we'll see a lot more of this season, is, is one of the young players, Curtis Jones. He's only 19. Um, what was it? He only had one Premier League start last season, but I feel as though he feels a part of the group now. Now, as a young player, when you come through, you, you want to be trusted, you want to be accepted by the senior players, and I can see that with Curtis now with the the preseason performances. He, he is going to be a player who can contribute in the final third. He can pick the ball up anywhere on the pitch. He's comfortable in possession. He can create things as well. So I think he gives Liverpool um, a different option in midfield. And I think we'll see a lot more of him um, rather than perhaps going out and down. I think Curtis will be part of the team going forward this season. And he's not lacking confidence, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. And uh, and I think we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier on the podcast, having those those leaders in the dressing room are massive for a player like Curtis Jones. Having Jordan Henderson on him, having James Milner on him, Van Dyke, all of a sudden these players can have a massive impact on, on making him realise what it's expected of him to play in Liverpool's first team what's expected of him to compete for the title and those standards are going to really help his attitude because if he's not at those levels they will tell him and uh, unfortunately he won't get the game time he wants so I, th- I think the the dressing room will be a huge help for Curtis Right first up in the Premier League it's, it's Leeds um, fabulous fixture you're not telling me the, the computer just threw this up uh, it's a special game of course it is uh, a team that historically belong in the, in the top flight there's loads that goes around this one James yeah there is yeah and I, you know, I, was, I was really pleased to see Leeds get get back up you know it was um, you begin it had been that long you're beginning to wonder whether it would it would ever happen because you know they, they are a you know a huge club to to have been outside the the, the top flight for so long and um I'm really looking forward to seeing how they how how they do because um you know they've got a you know a huge personality of a the manager in Bielsa. I think you know he's gonna you know he's gonna be box office in terms of you know that, that personality thrown into the mix with the other elite managers in the Premier League and, and I think also just the way that he has Leeds playing is quite refreshing and you know and, and they've done you know they've They've spent a fair fair amount of money. You know, we talk earlier on about you know some clubs gambling, and you know some teams when they come up don't do that, do they? They um they 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 don't willing not willing to throw caution to the wind, and but Leeds have have certainly gone the other way. You know, I think 
Well, they spend nearly 30 million on Rodrigo from from Valencia. I think Helder Costa from Wolves and uh, Robin Cock from from Freiburg. You know, a decent mm. decent centre half. So, you know, even he bought a young scouser in Joe Gelhart, who um, you know, and I think he uh, obviously from from Wigan. Um, you know, fantastic opportunity for for him. So so yeah, it's a and it's a mouth watering game first up. It's you know the only. The only real shame is the fact it will be behind closed doors because, um, you know, I think, you know, can you imagine there would have just been such a real buzz around Anfield, you know, being able to welcome back the the champions of England and then the buzz of playing Leeds in the top flight after so long. It, it's um, that'll be the one shame come uh, come kickoff on Saturday. Do you always want to lay your marker down straight away, Mel's? Yeah, uh, and I think Liverpool have done, haven't they, the last couple of seasons, and that's been a big uh, factor for me why the momentum has been built over the uh, the opening few games. Uh, interesting one, Leeds. It's a huge football club. I've seen them a few times in the Championship. Thirty five thousand fans. They've been waiting, waiting, and uh, and as James just mentioned, they're so sad to see that the fans can't enjoy this this opening game. I'm sure they will do at home. Leeds will be a team who will like to play out from the back, which. If we press high, we will win a lot of ball in and around their penalty area. Um, and and they also lost one of the best players last year, Ben White, centre-half, who was on loan from Brighton. I thought he was one of the standout performers. I know they've spent big on Rodrigo coming in, which I think will help Bamford um, in terms of that centre-forward position for Leeds. I think Leeds will be a good side to watch. They'll have a little bit more bite than Norwich had last year. Uh, they'll certainly be brave, but... Bielsa will be stubborn. He will not change the way he wants to play at any point in the season. He will not care how much criticism he will get. He will continue to play the way he has done the last couple of seasons for Leeds. Uh, and I see Leeds being OK. I don't see them being involved in that relegation battle. I, I think that they'll have enough quality to uh, to stay out of it. It's a tough opening game, but I think we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be more than good enough to get the three points. If Bielsa wants that extra little bit of help, he could head to the Athletic. Michael Cox has written a piece um, on the side now. <laughs> he's talking about how you beat Liverpool. Um, so, Mel, just give us a quick response on this. This is how you beat Liverpool, apparently. You play on the weaker central defender. You play passes behind Andy Robertson. You press Allison, and you exploit the space behind the forwards. Okay, they've not said anything about stopping our front three, though, have they? <laughs> Is that how you beat Liverpool, though? Uh, well, I mean, I think you need a bit of luck if you, if you want to beat us. Um, it'd be a huge surprise, wouldn't it, if Leeds were to come and turn us over? I, I think um, the boys would be on it from the first whistle. Leeds would be. I think Leeds not having the fans are a big factor as well. You know, mentioned about the 35,000 fans. They were a huge part of, of the momentum, making it difficult going to Ellen Road for a lot of teams. And they'll want the fans back as soon as possible. But yeah, I appreciate that article that is written, um, but he needs to think about stopping the front three. Um, no surprises expected in the Liverpool team, James. Is it pretty much what we think picks itself? Or is in midfield, is, is there something that, that might come from left field? Yeah, I, I think you know, as was the case almost every week last season. I think it's probably the midfield that um, is the one thing that's you know what combination he goes with is is unclear. I think obviously at the moment he's still waiting and hoping to get everyone back in one piece from from the internationals. Um, but yeah, you'd you'd imagine you know clearly Trent and uh, you know it's good to see Trent Alexander Arnold back in action um, coming off the bench for England at the weekend. You know those minutes will have done him good. So um, I think he'd be ready. Clearly, Andy Robertson on the on the left, and you'd imagine Joe Gomez would would get the nod ahead of Joel Matip, who, again, he that was one of the positives from the Blackpool friendly, seeing Matip back in action. 
Um, so you'd imagine he'd go with Gomez and, and Van Dijk, you know, clearly the front three pick themselves. And then, yeah, I think the midfield would be interesting just because I think, you know, what happens, you know, is Henderson quite ready? I think I think it might come too soon for him. I think, um, you know, he is back training again, um, but didn't feature against Blackpool. And I, I just think there's no need to to rush him. You know, he's got back a bit ahead of schedule uh, as it is. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen between now and the weekend with Wijnaldum, whether his situation's going to change. Um, but I'd certainly expect, you know, Fabino and, and Cater to be, to be two of the three in the, in that midfield. And, you know, of course you've got James Milner. I think he'll have a, an extra spring in his step in training this week. Desperate. Yeah, absolutely desperate to, to play against the the club where it all began for, for him. And, and even, you know, it was, it was intriguing looking at where Minamino played at the weekend, uh, you know, in a, almost a slightly deeper role. Um, you know, we were used to seeing him used across the front line last season, but he was, he was almost in like a, you know, a, a number eight attacking central midfield role where he, he played really well. Um, you know, I, I definitely stick Minamino in with Curtis Jones and, and Cater in terms of players who I'm expecting a lot more from, and I'm certainly expecting them to play a lot more minutes this season. Um, so yeah, I think as, as, as has become custom that, you know, it's that, it's getting that blend right in midfield, which will um, probably occupy most of Klopp's thoughts selection-wise between now and Saturday. Red Agenda, and it's brought to you in association with Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. You're not hearing things, Mel's. This is uh, definitely an advert which we're doing now. Manscaped has just launched in the UK. Uh, we've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country uh, to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Third-generation trimmer. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents and a water-resistant technology which allows you to groom while you're in the shower. Uh, we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to the pod. Get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. I'm sure there's a few of your former teammates that... Might have used that in the shower, Mel's. We won't name names. Um, <laughs> let's go to fans getting back into the grounds. Now, look, you've just got back in on your sky duties. Um, you're at Bolton the, the mm. other day, and and mm. it's it's tough, isn't it? You know, you you're working there as part of the press, and you you're not quite feeling the the way that you want to feel because fans are such an important part of all this. Um, we're, we're hoping. And there are signs that things might change in the coming months. Um, how much of a big influence is it when the fans do start to come back, Mel's? Well, huge, absolutely huge. You know, as from a young player, you have that dream of wanting to be a professional footballer, and it's to be out there performing. But it's in front of the fans. The fans give the players so much. I mean, even the games that have been on TV, I have not been able to watch them with the fake noise because because I want to see how real it is because putting the fake noise it's unfair on the players it is so difficult to, to without the fans out there for the players um, the momentum within games are a huge factor uh, I think back to last season and one great example for me in my opinion is Liverpool played Man City didn't we um, what was it November time last year we, we, we won 3-1 now, when we scored the first goal, Fabinho scored that first goal 1-0. Anfield erupted. I was inside. It was absolutely brilliant. There was a little bit of doubt. Could it have been a penalty or, or not for Man City? Now, for me, the fans made a huge, huge um, 
the presence felt for that one because City was still moaning. The fans played on that and Liverpool got the momentum for the game and scored a second goal very quickly and City did not be, manage to be able to react to that and I felt as though without the fans there that day Liverpool wouldn't have perhaps had that momentum to go and get the second um, and, and effectively put put a huge, huge game um, to bed it in terms of that title race um, even though it was back in, in November so fans play a huge part the sooner we get them back the better the better quality of football um, and we can all certainly enjoy the games a lot more unfortunately with Covid it is what it is safety is paramount of course I understand that um, and I suppose we're grateful to see any football um, but the fans need to be back and they have a huge part to play in terms of momentum of games Yeah really important how, how much of a priority to, to Liverpool what work's being done James? Oh uh, yeah a massive amount of work going on behind the scenes I think you know Billy Hogan started work officially as the club's new CEO last week and he talked about in his interview with the club website, you know, that was his immediate priority. He said, you know, everything he's doing at the moment is is based around getting fans back into Anfield as quickly and as as safely as as possible. Um, you know, there's and there's so many factors to that. As as Neil said, like, I, you know, I don't. I think if you're watching, if you have watched games with with the, the, the fake crowd noise, it is. You know, it's. I, I was at Wembley for the Community Shield, and it was so soulless and like. Mm desperate and you were thinking tomorrow so I was sat there it, it almost made like I don't know it, it's I actually find it did quite difficult to concentrate on the game because it was just like <laughs> just looking around thinking why on earth are they even playing this game here where not in front of 90,000 empty seats and people talk about you know the power of Anfield and all the rest of it and some people over the years have dismissed it as a myth and all the rest of it but it's I think the last six or seven months should have left no one in any doubt about how much fans can influence football games both positively and a negative way with the atmosphere that's that's generated. I think I think we even saw it with quite a few Liverpool games towards the back end of last season, where you know I, I I just think without that inspirational presence behind them, you don't see the same intensity and tempo to Liverpool's football. I, I also think it suits some other teams. I think you know I think to that game at the Emirates that where Liverpool lost despite having 75% possession. And you think there's no chance that Arsenal are, are able to play that negatively if that's mm-hmm. 60,000 fans. At the, you know, they'd, they'd have been absolute mayhem again amongst their fans mm-hmm. if they just camped inside their own half and tried to keep Liverpool out like that. So, um, yeah. And, 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 of, and of course, you know, apart from that, there's a, you know, a massive financial element for Liverpool in terms of getting fans back in. So, um, yeah, my information at the moment is Sheffield United at home, which I don't think they've done the TV games for October yet, but October 24th is what it's been penciled in at the moment. You know, that will be the first Liverpool home game in front of fans since that Champions League defeat to Atletico back in early March. So we're looking at about 12,500 fans allowed in. I think it's just under 25% of the usual capacity. Um, You know, the plan is to use all four stands, social distancing measures in place and you know I, th- I think the headache at the moment for the club and give them credit there's been a lot of dialogue with supporters groups to try and come up with the fairest way of doing it is how do you distribute those 12 and a half thousand tickets yeah. because you know Liverpool have got 20, 27,000 mm. season ticket holders I think they've got something like 11 to 12,000 members who have got all the relevant credits to to buy tickets for games so um you know, they're going to have to do some kind of ballot, but you, know, you can't just stick everyone in the ballot. I think you're going to have to find out in advance who wants to be in that ballot because um, because they need to know exactly who is, is inside Anfield and where they're sitting 
to comply with the, the track and tra- uh, the test and trace measures that um, you know these tickets won't be transferable. So um, yeah, a lot a lot of a lot of details still to sort out. But you know, yeah, thankfully it does look like towards the back end of October will be um, the first step in the, the right direction towards getting Anfield full again. Just to finish on the fans, what one thing that I felt as though it gives the players is is confidence. Now, think about Liverpool's record at home in the last three years, unbeaten at home. That's no coincidence. The fans play a huge, huge part to that. I mean, even that Barcelona game, the second leg, that the confidence that the crowd give the players. I think back to a few of my experience. Confidence is something that all players want because they can get the best out of themselves, but it's not always that easy to give yourself that confidence. The fans do that to the home players at Anfield. And and James mentioned it. Some people who haven't experienced Liverpool um, call it a myth. Oh, you, you, you're just saying that. Not at all. Honestly, the fans play such a huge part in giving the home players confidence and deflating the away players I mean Messi's one of the best players in the world and couldn't influence the game and that is honestly the impact the fans can make and uh, hopefully we can see them back in and influencing the first team like we've enjoyed over the last few years Let's finish with a word from you James on an article you've written about Sean Heidel fabulous gentleman and for people who don't know him and his history he was part of the academy and um, he had a really promising career until tragedy struck. Yeah, it was a, an absolute honour to spend a few hours with Sean recently. He was someone who, you know, I'd, I'd read little bits of his story over the years, but you know, I didn't feel as if I really knew the full story. I don't think he'd ever really discussed it from kind of his his life from 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 start to, to to where he's at now. But yeah, just an unbelievable story, and he's a. He's an inspirational guy because you know he was he was one of the the big talents of his generation at the academy, part of the squad which won the FA Youth Cup in 2007, played alongside England at youth level um, with uh, with Jack Wilshire, and was you know was 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 back to to make it at the at the top level. You know he signed for Liverpool professionally when he turned 17, and you know he was he was called into Huey McCauley's office at Kirby and told he was being promoted to Melwood to train. With the with the reserve squad ahead of the 2008-9 season, and then 24 hours later, his um, his world was absolutely turned upside down when um, he was involved in a, a horrific car crash. With you know, four of his mates were in the car as well. Two two died in the crash. Another one is still um, requires round the clock care. You know, 12 years on, and Sean suffered pretty horrendous injuries himself. You know, a bleed on the brain, a broken ankle, broken neck. Had to have a kidney removed dislocated his knee snapped three of the four main ligaments in it um and was told you know forget about football you know the, the, you know it's over for you but his, his resilience was remarkable you know two years of rehab and you know he did he actually did get back to pulling on a liverpool shirt again you know played in played in an, an academy game against crew um you know it, it, you know it, it was not surprisingly he, he couldn't get back to where he was at but Again, didn't throw in the towel. Went to various football league clubs. He spent time at you know Oldham and and Accrington and MK Dons and played in the Welsh Premier, um, and then dropped into non-league playing for Vauxhall and Bursco before you know finally accepting that it you know it was his body just wasn't wasn't quite up to it. And um, you know a big insurance payout from the from the accident. You know they Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher were, were among those to to vouch for him. The, the, you know of just what what they believed he would have gone on to achieve. You know he he got four million quid from that, which he's able to he's been able to launch 
various businesses which have flourished. Um, so he's doing really well these days and you know, it's great to see him happy and, and settled and looking healthy. Um, you know, he was left with a mild form of cerebral palsy, which, which actually led to him playing for Great Britain at the Paralympics in Rio four years ago. Um, so yeah, just, just an amazing guy with a, a fantastic outlook on life because I think, um, you know, some, you know, to, to have gone through what he's been through, it'd be easy to, to harbour, you know, feelings of bitterness and, and regret and anger, but um, no, none of that at all. He's uh, he's very appreciative of what he's got rather than dwelling on what was taken away from him. Remarkable story and well worth reading all the details on The Athletic uh, right now and that piece that James has written. Uh, thank you as always, James. And a, and a final word from Neil Liverpool to be Premier League champions again, back to back. Excited about this? <laughs> I hope so. If yeah. if we keep all our key players fit, yes, I think we'll uh, we'll get that title again. James Neil Mellor, thank you very much indeed. That was the red agenda. We'll be back in a week's time. 